What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Now on News Talk 105.9 WMAL. The Saturday morning update. Good morning. It is the Saturday morning update. I'm Rick Fowler, Jeff Wolf behind the console, Jane Houghton and our producer this morning. And shocking news overnight. Jimmy Buffett has passed away. The announcement was made by his family in the uh, statement from the family. Jimmy passed away peacefully on the night of September 1st, surrounded by his family, friends, music and dogs. That statement on Jimmy Buffett's website, it said he lived his life like a song till the very last breath and will be missed beyond measure by so many. Of course, he is known best for Margaritaville, but many, many albums, his first albums in 1970. Now, he first appeared in the Washington area at the cellar door on M Street, and I had the opportunity to be at one of those concerts. And uh, for uh, those of you not familiar with the cellar door, probably about a 200-seat facility on M Street, he grew from the cellar door with about 200 fans to Jiffy Lube, where he would sell out Jiffy Lube Pavilion or Meriwether Post Pavilion uh, with nearly 20,000 people in those Shows were sellouts here in the Washington area. Of course, his fans are known as Parrot Heads, and tributes from the Parrot Heads uh, from all over the country. Margaritaville launching him into the national fame and into the history of American music. Margaritaville came out in 1977. He, he started out in Nashville. There's a lot of really interesting things you don't know about Jimmy Buffett. He started out in Nashville. He worked for Billboard magazine, but it was in Key West in the 1970s that he really found his true voice. That is according to his biography. And uh, he met Jerry Jeff Walker, a country singer, and they drove a 1947 Packard to Key West and uh, he told the graduating students that at the University of Miami when he was receiving an honorary doctorate in music back in 2015. 27 studio albums for Jimmy Buffett, four platinum, eight gold albums, and uh, his career spanning five decades. His Margaritaville establishments, his eateries, restaurants, huge. They've just opened one recently in Atlanta. Jimmy Buffett, with um, his margarita drinks and his brand and his touring, now you can imagine how many albums Jimmy Buffett sold, but his touring is where the revenue was, packing facilities of 20,000 seats or more, selling them out. His estimated wealth at over $1 billion. So Jimmy Buffett uh, passing away overnight, and uh, that news coming out overnight, uh, dying late on Friday. And uh, Jimmy Buffett has passed away at the age of 76. 613 on the Saturday morning update. Mike Franciati's in the WMAL. 
Travel lanes blocked on the Maryland Beltway between the Beltways and 95 BW Parkway, both moving at speed. The I-270 corridor looking good. They have cleared the crash we had in Washington County on South Mountain westbound. All the westbound lanes had been closed. That has been cleared. No issues on the uh, Virginia Beltway, 395 Interstate 95 at this time, all moving well. Still have the accident in Fairfax, northbound Centerville Road at the Dulles Toll Road, the accident there blocking the on-ramp. Now from GarageDoorRepair.com, the WMAL Storm Watch 7 forecast. Tracking your Saturday forecast, cool and crisp to start the day. 50s and 60s right now, 70s by your lunchtime, middle 80s for afternoon highs. Very comfortable out there with the low humidity and south winds between 5 and 10 miles per hour. Evening temperatures back into the 70s. I'm 7 News Meteorologist Jordan Evans in the First Alert Weather Center. 58 degrees in the nation's capital, 614 on the Saturday morning update. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's yeah, safe. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. News Talk 105.9 WMAL. Making sense of the news. The Saturday morning update continues. I'm Rick Fowler, and there's so much going on on the political front and uh, so many things to cover. President Biden is headed today to Florida. He will not be meeting with Governor DeSantis, a statement out that said uh, because of the volume of security that would be necessary that uh, they would not be meeting. I'm sure there's much more to it than that, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about what was behind that decision. Um, We saw the Republican debates. We've seen a lot of turmoil in the Republican presidential run-up. Of course, we had the first debate, and then we will have that second debate coming later in September on the Fox Business Channel. Well, it seems that the Republican candidates have really trained their fire on Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, he has been uh, under the gun. Pretty much everybody is uh, aiming at him right now. And he talked about that. He was on the Fox News Channel yesterday afternoon and uh, was asked some pretty pointed questions by uh, Sandra Smith and John Roberts. And one of them uh, had to do with uh, sort of the new generation that Vivek Ramaswamy is bringing in uh, to the candidacy and to the Republican Party. And uh, here's how Vivek kind of described that. I have fresh legs. We are reaching the next generation of young Americans. That is why I can win this election in a landslide in a way that no other candidate can. Look at the way we're running this campaign. I've gone to the inner city of Chicago, Kensington in the middle of Philadelphia, places where traditional Republican candidates dare not touch. We're leaving no state left behind, no city left behind, no American left behind, already building a multi-ethnic working class coalition. And I think this cannot be a 50.1 election. I think this has to be a landslide moral mandate like Ronald Reagan delivered in 1980. He said some things in there that are... uh... Pretty important by him going into 
urban communities into the African-American community. As he said, for years, Republican candidates have been shy about going in there. They've been afraid they would be booed. They've been afraid that they would have, uh, you know, the video and the news of uh, them not going over well in in an urban area. But uh, he's confronting that issue for the Republicans and going in. And I think that's uh, something that could garner some support for Vivek Ramaswamy in uh, the African-American vote, which, of course, is so, so important to the Democrats. Um, He's been hammered on his foreign policy and a lot of concern about um, the way he would handle Israel, the way he would handle China, Russia, Ukraine. And here's how he explains his foreign policy. I believe in a little bit of banter on the basketball court. We're having fun in this race. But I do think that there is a real distinction. And I think that I am the only candidate who was on that stage who was a non-neocon. I believe in standing for American interests, asserting American interests, but only where it advances the U.S. interest. That's very different from other candidates that would sooner send troops to defend an invasion across somebody else's border than to use troops to defend across the invasion on our own southern border in this country. I worry that many in the neocon establishment are quietly, even if accidentally, marching us into World War III, serious armed conflict with other nuclear powers, including the combination of the Russia-China alliance. Vivek Ramaswamy speaking yesterday on the Fox News Channel. We've got a lot more on the campaign coming up. Stay with us right here on WMAL. Saturday morning update continues. We're at 623. I'm Rick Fowler. And if you are just joining us, uh, the news breaking just within the last two hours that Jimmy Buffett has passed away at the age of 76. He was surrounded by friends and family and uh, a shock to all of us. And the touring, the shows that he did, the music, the brand, Jimmy Buffett uh, was really a master. We just had uh, some audio from Vivek Ramaswamy, and you heard the youth. Well, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, has the job now of trying to convince America that Joe Biden is up for another four years and that he's got the energy and the uh, stamina and the, uh, I guess, uh, sense about him to continue on in the presidency. So she is out there touting his accomplishments. <laughs> if you watch him, if you've seen what he's done the last two years, this is a president has had a historic administration in just two years. If you look at the 13.5, more than 13.5 million jobs that he's been able to create, if you look at how he's been able to turn the economy around so that it works for middle-class Americans. Okay, works for middle-class Americans. Have you been to the gas pump, it's up again. I mean, gas prices are up like 40 cents in the last couple of months. The grocery store, it's absolute insanity, the cost of things in the grocery store when you compare them to where they were two years ago. Some of these things, the price is almost doubled. If you wanted to buy a house and you're young, you can't because the interest rates have uh, basically doubled up to 7% now, the uh, interest rate on home mortgages, 7% home mortgage rate. So, uh, Jeff, uh, let, let's uh, hear that one more time about his accomplishments. If you look at how he's been able to turn the economy around so that it works for middle-class Americans. Works for middle-class Americans? You must be kidding. We're the Pinocchios. 
Did the post run out of Pinocchios? We haven't seen many Pinocchios recently for her. They must have run out of them at the Washington Post. Here's another gem, okay? The border. We all see the the border and, and how things are going at the southern border. How many migrants have come into this country since Biden came into office. It's like unbelievable numbers. The Washington Post was reporting the highest number of families. It's like 91,000 families entering in August. And here's how she's trying to put this one over on us. The president has done what he can from from here, from the federal government, from the White House, to put forth and manage our border in a safe and humane way to respect the dignity of every human. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. More to deal with the issue of immigration than anybody else he really has? You must be joking. The Secretary of Homeland Security is is potentially going to be impeached for his failure on the southern border. And she's trying to tell us that as the numbers continue to grow on the southern border. And even the Washington Post reporting that uh, yesterday in their article about the number of families migrating into this country across the southern border. And, And Jeff... Play that one one more time. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. Boy, that's that's the response to that one. This stuff's unbelievable, what they're trying to put over on us. Well, it is 627. It is the Saturday morning update on WMAL. We'll talk with Jennifer Harper coming up next. Jim Trusty will join us, of course, our legal expert. John Gizzi's on the way. We've got Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Gordon Chang will join us and also KT McFarland. So it's an action-packed Saturday morning update for Labor Day weekend. It's 6.29 on the Saturday morning update, and once again, if you are just joining us this morning, uh, Jimmy Buffett passed away at the age of 76. Uh, He passed away uh, last night, and the news came out uh, just within the last two hours or so, so uh, the loss of Jimmy Buffett. Mike Franciati is in the WML Traffic Center this morning. In Fairfax County, still have the accident northbound Centerville Road at the Dulles Toll Road. The accident blocking the on-ramp. All the major interstates doing well. No problems on Interstate 66. Capitol Beltway in Virginia looking good. 395 and Interstate 95 at this time looking good. Into Maryland, no problems on the Beltway. Between the Beltways, 95 and the Parkway looking good. Route 50 over toward Annapolis. You're moving well. No issues at this time either side of the Bay Bridge. Inbound, outbound New York Avenue. DC 295 Southeast Southwest Freeway at this time all without issue. Now from GarageDoorRepair.com, the WMAL Stormwatch 7 forecast. Tracking your Saturday forecast, cool and crisp to start the day. 50s and 60s right now, 70s by your lunchtime, middle 80s for afternoon highs. Very comfortable out there with the low humidity and south winds between 5 and 10 miles per hour. Evening temperatures back into the 70s. I'm 7 News Meteorologist Jordan Evans in the First Alert Weather Center. 59 degrees in the nation's capital, 631 on the Saturday morning update. News Talk 105.9 WMAL. Making sense of the news. 
And a happy Labor Day weekend here on the Saturday Morning Update. I'm Rick Fowler. Jennifer Harper joins us. She writes inside the Beltway at the Washington Times. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, and uh, happy Labor Day to everyone else. As we both labor away, the American public is asked a lot of questions, a lot of polling questions, seen a lot on the presidential candidates recently. But there is yet another one that is sort of ominous, I guess, for the administration. Yeah, I yeah, this is very true. I I come across a lot of polls, Rick, every day, and this was sort of a significant one, and it's coming from the Associated Press. I always pay attention to those guys, and uh, it just paints a dire picture here. Um, I kind of call this our everything is lousy poll uh, this morning, but let's just do the numbers. 74% of U.S. adults now agree that things in this country are headed in the wrong direction. Again, this is the Associated Press. Three-quarters of American adults, they think they're lousy. Moving right along. 64% disapprove of the way President Biden is handling gun policy. 63% disapprove of the way he's handling the U.S. economy. 57% disapprove of the way he is handling his overall job as president. 56% disapprove of the way he is handling foreign policy. And last but certainly not least, 52% overall, this is all Americans, have an unfavorable opinion of Mr. Biden. And the uh, particulars on this poll was Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs research poll of 1,165 U.S. adults conducted August 10 through 14 and released Wednesday of this week. So that's your lousy poll uh, for today, Rick. <laughs> Speaking of polls, former President Trump, four indictments, and how about his poll numbers? Well, yeah, this is another interesting poll. We have two polls in a row this morning. This one's coming from Morning Consult. This is a poll of Republican voters. And um, let's just start by saying uh, the former president does not appear to fear risk uh, too much, you know, by all of his actions in recent weeks. And a lot of folks uh, think that this works for him. Uh, here, Here's what we're going to uh, talk about. And this is coming from electioncentral.com. This is a political news site, pretty interesting site to visit. They say most candidates would see their numbers drop after taking risky moves like skipping a nationally televised debate or um, being arrested and having their mugshot released coast to coast. This is not the world that former President Donald Trump lives in. This is according to Nate Ashworth. He is the founder and editor of ElectionCentral.com. He says, in a move that is probably surprising to some, but unsurprising to anyone paying attention, the more persecution Trump receives from his political foes, the more his supporters dig in and his base broadens. The anti-Trump argument usually centers around electability. Sure, they concede his policies were golden. The country thrived under his leadership. However, they contend he has too much baggage to win over independent voters and will drive more Democrats to the polls than Republicans in 2024. Plus, they scream, look at the indictments. Again, this is coming from Nate Ashworth. He says, however... That all seems irrelevant irrelevant for most GOP primary voters, as a majority of them see Trump as more electable after skipping the debate and having his mugshot released. He says, according to a morning console poll of 800 Republican voters conducted August 24 through 27, very recent, 62% of potential primary voters say they think Trump has the best chance of beating the Democrat incumbent. This is up nine percentage point over the previous week and matches a high 
and morning consults tracking of the question since April. So uh, I guess that's good news uh, for Trump, and it certainly is a, a paradox, I guess. Again, that's uh, coming from electioncentral.com. Speaking of presidential debates, debate number two coming up on the Fox Business Channel. And uh, we've got a little prep time going for the candidates so far. Yeah, well, you can uh, mark your candidates. We've got another one of these debates revving up. And uh, according to Fox News Media, this new debate will take place September 27. And it is at the spectacular Ronald Reagan Presidential Library uh, in beautiful Sunny Valley, California. They uh, revealed on Wednesday that the network hosts Stuart Varney and Dana Perino are going to co-moderate this second Republican presidential debate. And, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Varney is a longtime anchor at uh, Fox Business, and Ms. Parino is the co-anchor for America's Newsroom, co-host of The Five. And uh, that happens to be the most watched program in the entire cable news realm at the moment. But anyway, they're very popular. We'll just put it that way. And uh, they are intending to provide Americans with a comprehensive view of the qualifying candidates vying for the Republican nomination for president. This is according to Jay Wallace. He is president and executive editor of Fox News Media. And they're also going to be airing this in Spanish, um, also on Univision. And it's going to be moderated by Ilya Calderon. And uh, she also co-moderated the final debate between uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders way back in 2020. You know, the last presidential debate took place August 23rd, aired on Fox. And guess how many viewers that uh, drew, Rick? It was 12.8 million viewers. That's a lot. That's according to Nielsen. So we can look forward. Big date is September 27th. You've brought us polls over the past years about the news media and how the public seems to be less and less positive toward the news media. Anything happening that could maybe point that trend in a different direction? Why, yes, indeed, Rick, there is. And it's coming from, believe it or not, our hometown newspapers, not the big, huge newspapers, but the uh, hometown local folks. As you mentioned, uh, the general news media has been maligned a whole lot in recent years. They're charged with political bias, inaccuracy, sensationalism, all kinds of journalistic sins like that. But things are not all bad. And let's give a little round of applause today for our hometown newspapers. And this is according to the Local Media Association. This is a membership uh, which includes 3,000 print, broadcast, and digital organizations around the country that are considered local media or small media. So hmm. they recently had the LMA Fest. Standing again for local media association. It was a gathering of journalists, broadcasters, uh, other folks involved in the media, and they're kind of offering some hope here. And I found this little item in editor and publisher. This is an industry source, and they say, despite the well-documented challenges facing local journalism, the mood in the room during this event was one of optimism, energy, and determination. Imagine that, describing local media with optimism, energy, and determination. I paid attention to that. But anyway, uh, Evan Smith, he's the former CEO of uh, the Texas Tribune, uh, during this event he pointed out that the smaller and scrappier newsrooms are now breaking major stories. They're garnering uh, significant influence. Uh, they got a lot of determination, creativity, uh, even though they all have pretty slim budgets. So this is what he said to his audience. Uh, he says, I am so hopeful when I see these smaller insurgent news organizations punching above their weight every day. 
He says local journalism plays an indispensable civic role despite all the challenges. And uh, this event took place on August 1 and 2 earlier this month, and uh, they concluded that reliable local news is is vital for an informed populace and a healthy democracy. So something for us to watch. The local papers uh, seem to be kind of holding up the standards here. Speaking of local papers, uh, we are seeing more and more stories about road rage in those local papers. And you have some information on a study recently. Yes, indeed, a study this morning about uh, road rage. I mean, I'm sure everyone encounters it in the D.C. area. I I drive up to New York every now and then, and that's certainly a circus (laughs) driving up there. But uh, it's become a greater challenge. And, yes, there is a study that is coming to us from Forbes. They say that violent road rage incidents are on the rise nationwide. And uh, they have uh, found a survey of licensed U.S. drivers. Here's what they found. This was a survey of 10,000 licensed U.S. drivers from all 50 states. And these drivers report, and 10,000 drivers report, they've been forced off the road, yelled at, cursed at, cut off, tailgated, insulted, hawked at, blocked from changing lanes, or bombarded with rude or offensive gestures. Hmm. Again, this is coming from Forbes. They say the uh, confrontations occur most frequently on city streets, uh, followed by those encounters on freeways or highways, parking lots, intersections, and rural roads. They also revealed that uh, in 2022, this is when the most recent figures were available, 413 people were injured in road road rage shootings. This is a 135% increase from 2018. And uh, in some of the states, confrontational driving is way more common, and they're putting drivers at greater greater risk when they get behind the wheel. Uh, But anyway, let's find out who's got the worst road rage among our states. And according to the research, Arizona was in first place in the top five offenders, followed by Rhode Island, West Virginia, Virginia, and Oklahoma. And uh, if you're curious about who has uh, what appears to be the most polite drivers, Delaware was ranked number one as the state with the, quote, most polite drivers. It was followed by Idaho, South Dakota, Louisiana, and Wyoming to round out the top five. And this survey was uh, collected July 7th through August the 3rd and released on Monday. So that's your road rage report, Rick. Jennifer Harper, Inside the Beltway at the Washington Times. You have a great Labor Day weekend, and thank you very much. Everybody have a good weekend, good holiday, and thanks for listening. It is 642. It is the Saturday morning update on WMAL. I'm Rick Fowler, and Jim Trusty will join us next. But first, Mike Franciotti is in the WMAL Traffic Center. In Maryland, Route 50 is wide open between the Capitol Beltway and Bay Bridge, and no issues either side of the bridge at this time. Looking good along the I-270 corridor between the Beltway's Interstate 95, the BW Parkway, no travel lanes blocked. Inbound, outbound New York Avenue, despite the uh, construction either side at Florida Avenue, traffic moving well. BC 295 Southeast Southwest Freeway looking good. Virginia Beltway, no reports of any issues. Interstate 395 and 95 as far south as Fredericksburg moving well. Now from Garage Door Repair.com with WMAL Storm Watch 7 forecast. 
Tracking your Saturday forecast, cool and crisp to start the day. 50s and 60s right now, 70s by your lunchtime, middle 80s for afternoon highs. Very comfortable out there with low humidity and south winds between 5 and 10 miles per hour. Evening temperatures back into the 70s. I'm 7 News Meteorologist Jordan Evans in the First Alert Weather Center. 59 degrees in the nation's capital, 643 on the Saturday morning update. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Saturday morning update continues for Labor Day weekend. I'm Rick Fowler. Jim Trustee is with us. He is a partner at IFRA Law here in Washington, former member of the Trump legal team, and the former chief of the organized crime and gang section at the U.S. Department of Justice. Jim, good morning and a happy Labor Day weekend. Good morning and happy Labor Day to you, too. You know, grand juries very much in the news these days. And uh, this an interesting story that you pointed out happened here in Washington. It involves the secrecy of a grand jury proceeding, and this has gotten to be a pretty serious case. And walk us through this. Yeah, it's a really disturbing story, and I, and I guess it's one that I think deserves probably more attention. I saw a little blurb on one of the local networks about it, and I ended up looking at some of the documents associated with the case, the plea agreement and the indictment and the criminal complaint that was originally filed. This was something that goes back to uh, just about a year ago, September 9th of 2022. A man uh, with the actual name of Alexander Hamilton was sworn in as a grand juror in D.C. Superior Court. Remember, D.C. has federal court or U.S. District Court and Superior Court, which is kind of quasi-federal. It's more like a local court. And it's really interesting because this guy was what you would call a scoff law. Uh, even as he was being sworn to secrecy as a grand juror, you know, there's basically 23 people that come in, they get kind of educated about what the process is of being a grand juror. And at the end of that first day, which was September 9th, they're told to raise their hand and take an oath that they won't talk about the proceedings that are occurring in front of them. And so prosecutors present cases for indictment, but they also present witness testimony sometimes, including informants or cooperators to uh, essentially get a dry run to present the information and secure it as sworn testimony. Well, as the oath was administered to our modern-day Alexander Hamilton, he secretly recorded himself with his cell phone and looked down into the phone and said, I'm about to lie, as he was raising his right hand. Well, it turns out Mr. Hamilton was recording some of the grand jury proceedings and giving commentary only to upload it to his Instagram account that had about 10,000 followers. So keep in mind, they're not supposed to share secrets from grand jury. They're certainly not supposed to record things or even have their cell phones in the grand jury room. And this guy was telegraphing to the world what was happening in these secret proceedings. In November of 2022, a few months later, somebody reported him to the D.C. police, and the whole story begins to unravel for there, uh, for Mr. Hamilton. It turns out that he was recording witnesses on the stand, 18 different witnesses, 
from 14 different investigations, including multiple homicide investigations. And some of these folks are literally informants or cooperating defendants that are testifying under, you know, intentionally secret proceedings. And when he's recording them, he would put things on the screen like rat or snitch to, uh, to blast them for cooperating with law enforcement and, frankly, to endanger their lives by doing this. And that's the, the real rub here. It's not just some sort of technical violation. It's not just somebody running their mouth like the uh, foreperson of the grand jury in Atlanta that wanted to get on TV and, and gush and talk about what it was like to be a grand juror. This is a guy who took an active position from the first day of his grand jury work to basically subvert justice. And so he got indicted for contempt of court and for obstruction of justice, pled guilty this week a couple of days ago, and he will be sentenced right around Thanksgiving, November 29th. The charge carries up to 30 years. The government is apparently capping or limiting their allocution to seek three years. So the judge could do more than that. But I think it's kind of interesting for a case that's that egregious that we're not hearing more about it and that we're seeing something that I think is at least a fairly tepid approach by the prosecutor in going to the very low end of the applicable sentencing guidelines, which I think are 36 to like 83 months. So they picked a pretty low number for something that really could have gotten people killed. But uh, modern-day Alexander Hamilton looks like he's got a pretty good chance of going to jail for a few years coming up in November. You mentioned 14 different investigations. Is that 14 different cases, and what does that mean for the prosecution? I mean, if I'm the defense attorney in that, all this stuff's been out. I mean, uh, what happens? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the violation of secrecy is always kind of viewed as a violation of the court, you know, that the process is entrusted to the court. And then as a participant in that process, you've got to follow the judicial instructions. So I don't know that any of this is going to translate to anything that helps a defendant. In other words, gets you know, a defense attorney a motion to dismiss or some sort of abuse of grand jury. I mean, this was not intentional behavior by the prosecutor. This was something where an individual grand juror went out on a limb to do something that was criminal. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. I just don't think you're going to see relief or serious effect on the underlying investigations. Of course, you know, all that could change if somebody ended up getting killed or attacked on behalf of of the bad guys because they saw his videos. So there could still be some more liability for him if things go bad. But you talk about a flagrant breaking of the rules. This would be kind of exhibit A. The Alex Murdaugh murder case in Georgia seems to be the gift that keeps on giving. Buster the Sun on television this week. What did he say and what does it mean for the case in general? Yeah, there's a couple of things that happen. I mean, the Murdaughs really are the gift that keeps giving. And, you know, I know Netflix already has renewed another season. I mean, that's how bad this family is. They get more than one season for all of their <laughs> conduct. But, uh, By the way, Alex lost his phone privileges in prison because Fox Nation started doing an expose about the Murdoch family. And he set up a phone call on what was supposed to be the attorney-client privilege phone line to record a conversation and provide it to Fox Nation. So when the authorities found out about it, they actually took away his phone privileges, took away his canteen privileges. And, you know, canteen literally are kind of daily necessities that you can spend your limited money on while you're in jail, shaving cream, disposable razors, toothpaste, that kind of stuff. They also took away his tablet privileges. And 
uh, a note to your listeners, I don't have an iPad, and guys <laughs> in prison apparently get them. So, you know, you can you can hear the bitterness. Uh, anyway, that's the Alex update. The Buster update is that he had this interview with Fox Nation, and it's really kind of an interesting psychiatric story. I mean, he testified in Alex's trial. He is fully aware and acknowledges that his father gave a false alibi on the night of the murders. But he, he basically says, I still don't believe my father would have done it. I don't believe my father killed you know, my mother and my brother, speaking for Buster. Although he then concedes that it's fair to call his father a psychopath. So it's very interesting. He has no explanation for why his father would try to use a false alibi. And I think that just kind of gets me to the old saying that denial is not just a river in Egypt. You know, this is a pretty powerful psychological phenomenon when you're a family member and you've been exposed to such a horror as what happened in this family. I think Buster, maybe over time, he'll get a little more grounded or realistic, but it's probably just too hard to, to let it all sink in. So. Fox Nation certainly got a scoop. They snuck the phone call out of the jail, and they got Buster to talk very directly, so it might be a pretty interesting series. Yeah, I mean, think about Buster. His father's in jail, and his mother and brother are dead, and they blamed his father for it. So that's got to be a pretty tough psychological situation for him. For sure. Well, we saved the best for last. Michael Avenatti, the... uh, (laughs) The savior who um, CNN and everybody thought he would run for president, and he was the hero until he went to jail. And what is the very latest on Michael Avenatti? Well, you know, my role model continues to have bad luck. (laughs) Mr. Avenatti had his case from New York go up on appeal. And just as a quick aside, it always kind of cracks me up. Even when I was a prosecutor, well, particularly when I was a prosecutor and even as a defense attorney, When you see a defense attorney lose a trial and then go out on the courthouse in steps and say, we're going to win on appeal, don't you worry. I think that probably happened on the extortion of Nike case where Michael Avenatti was demanding $25 million to run a, quote, internal investigation for Nike. Anyway, he got two and a half years on that case. He still has 14 years in front of him for stealing from his clients and for tax fraud in the California case. But in New York, the three-judge panel, hearing his New York trial appeal, referred to it as meritless, and they had no problem with the conviction and the sentence. And so Mr. Avenatti, already a long shot for president, now has another long shot, which is he has to ask the Supreme Court to take this case or it's officially done. And I can tell you it's probably less than 1% chance. There's no real serious issue of law for the Supreme Court to address with his appeal. And uh, I think that's probably the end of the road on the New York case, although he'll still go through the appellate process on the California case. Jim Trusty, partner at IFRA Law here in Washington. You can follow him on Twitter, now known as X, at Trusty Lawyer. Jim, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good weekend. And you too. It is 6.54. It is the Saturday morning update on WMAL. The Saturday morning update continues. As we've been mentioning this morning, it was announced overnight that Jimmy Buffett has passed away. He was surrounded by friends and family. He was 76 years old. And uh, we had mentioned earlier that um, some of his first performances in the Washington area were at the Cellar Door, which was probably a 200, 250-seat nightclub on M Street, right by Key Bridge. And, uh, you know, his popularity in the, in the D.C. area as well as the world led him to 
venues like Meriwether Post and Jiffy Lube, and they would sell out nearly 20,000 tickets. He also performed on the July 4th PBS special, a capital fourth, uh, back in 2021. And uh, part of that performance uh, was featuring his Broadway show. That was just another dimension of his brand and his marketing. The Broadway show was based on his music. It was called Jimmy Buffett's Escape to Margaritaville, and that debuted in 2017. But that uh, show was uh, something that they performed highlights from down at the Capitol 4th uh, in 2021. He had a very active charity, the Save the Manatee Club, and that's a nonprofit. It seeks to protect the large marine mammals from boating injuries and harm by actions of people. An amazing career for Jimmy Buffett. He, he guest starred on the Tom Selleck show Blue Bloods. He played both himself and also a virtual double who posed as the singer and scammed people. He also popped up in the film Jurassic World. He was a running park visitor with margarita drinks. Uh, so uh, just a, an amazing career for Jimmy Buffett. And, you know, I haven't mentioned at this time, we're talking about it, we mentioned it earlier, but this time I have not mentioned the 27 studio albums, four of them platinum, eight of them gold, a five-decade career, and it started out in Nashville in the early 1970s. And uh, it, that empire of Jimmy Buffett's with the uh, merchandise and the uh, margarita drinks and uh, all of it totaling nearly a billion dollars. So that's uh, the... But sad news, especially on a Labor Day weekend when so many people will be probably listening to Margaritaville. Have one and toast Jimmy Buffett this weekend. It's 6.58. It is the Saturday morning update. And we're going to check in at 7 o'clock. we got the news coming up. And we're back with John Gizzy. We'll be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. We're going to talk with Tony about Ukraine. Get the very latest there. We've also got KT McFarland on the way, and Gordon Chang will join us this morning. As uh, you may have heard earlier in the week, the Commerce Secretary uh, was in Beijing, and uh, we'll get Gordon's read on the uh, continuing talks between China and the U.S. and uh, Zoom and Who. So that's all coming up, 7 o'clock hour on the Saturday morning update. WMAL-FM, Woodbridge, Washington, a cumulus media station. Making sense of the news. News Talk 105.9. News now. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? She is the least credible person I may have ever seen on camera. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Guys, not everything is 40 chess. Why can't we just laugh? Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. We all know I'm the number one rapper in the world thanks to Facts by Tom McDonald. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.